This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, if it seems like everyone is joining a union right now, you are not wrong. This summer has seen more union activity than we've had for decades, according to a new report from the Denver Post. And the solidarity is spreading from King Supers and Starbucks to staff at homeless shelters, and now servers at the Mercury Cafe. Me and Bree are talking about all the big union news with one of our favorite guests. Then we're celebrating, and lamenting, this week's Mile High Highs and Lows. Today is Friday, August 18th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city that has a brand new craft brewery. That's right, Bree. Thanks to some international corporate consolidation, Breckenridge Brewery is now, again, technically small enough to be considered craft. Wait, so they got booted from their corporation? They were sold to a cannabis company that is small enough. And now that the brand, the way that the brands are organized, apparently it's very specific how you categorize these breweries now. I mean... Long-time listeners will know I don't drink, but also really long-time listeners would know when I did drink, I certainly did not look at what the label even said on that beer. It, it were no, Just were no craft beer. Chugged it and got as messed up as fast as I possibly could. <laughs> so, did you have a favorite? You've mentioned Miller High Life. Before. High Life for sure, and uh, Bud Light out of the taps. There used to be this bar called the Climax Lounge, and the beer out of those cool. taps just tastes like. Honey, it was so good because they probably never clean their taps uh-huh. and they serve their beer in demi pitchers, like tiny pitchers. So you just drank from a pitcher. You didn't even need a cup. Oh, yeah. They knew their audience, yeah, target audience. They knew. Me, hipster me, circa 2002, me and all my <laughs> dumb friends with our dumb bands drinking their crappy beer. Rest in peace to Climax Lounge. You, you drank Miller instead of Coors? I drank anything watery, clear beer. I did not care. Still, though. I might I as know. well have There's had something a about it. It's like, I know it's the same beer, but it's are very similar. Oh, but yeah. Not same beer, except one has the Rocky Mountain water in it. You know? All right. You, are, you are buying into that hype, and I appreciate I love that for you, Joshua. Okay. Um, so, Breeze here. You've, you've heard her voice. Um, you heard a little bit about her history, which is nice. And... Uh, <laughs> Our, our guest today, back in the mix, uh, stand-up comedian. He's the co-chair of the Denver American Indian Commission and the Jumbotron host of the Colorado Mammoth. Is that That's the right, right term? Go, baby. Are y'all ready for some professional lacrosse? It's coming back January. All right. I don't even know what the PLL is. We only know the NLL in this place. Yeah, I, I'm happy to be here. How well, are you doing? Welcome back. Joshua are Emerson. Leagues? Yeah, those are professional lacrosse. That's my life now. I know professional lacrosse <laughs> leagues. All right, but that makes you the most interesting man at the party, right? You have the knowledge of something Depends no what party, one else knows. You know, I, I guess. Yeah, I I love lacrosse because it's it's a game that you know, it's like uh, it's like preppy white guys, it's big tough natives, and it's like Canadians that got lost. You oh, know? that's right. So, this Paul's that, people. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> your people. Exactly. I was going to say, my I know people. Some of <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of all of us. Let's get into our top story here for the day. We've got uh, we've got a really interesting one, and I'm glad that you two are here to help me help me pick this apart. So, um, ever since the pandemic scrambled up our economy a few years ago, workers across the country have been organizing for better wages and better work conditions. Uh, here in Denver, we saw a huge win for the King Supers Union last year, but now this energy is entering new places. That's the news this week, especially arts companies like Meow Wolf unionized. That was maybe last year. Iconic entertainment destinations like Casa Bonita. A little bit of organizing happening out there with the workers. Homeless shelters like Urban Peak. That was earlier this year. And now the old Denver mainstay, the Mercury Cafe. Workers are voting next week on forming a union. And uh, that one is getting a little bit messy. Kind of a fight brewing there. Um, but Bree, th- we should start with the Merc. That's the one you know best. Can mm. you catch listeners up who maybe just aren't familiar with this what the business, place is? what it is, what it sure. means? Because it's not a it's not an everyday restaurant. No. Okay. So the Mercury <laughs> Cafe is an, um, mm-hmm. an institution here in Denver for weirdos, poets, musicians, swing dancers. Uh, I mean, just every kind of artist. This was their haven. It was owned by a woman named Marilyn McGinnity since... She's she's been she had been running restaurants and venues in Denver since the 70s. Um, She was like the first person to book Black Flag. That's like kind of one of her big things she did. She booked all kinds of really cool like an alt hero. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, She opened the Mercury Cafe at 22nd in California Mm -hmm. and five points right in the middle of five points. uh, And it was it was um, it was special for a lot of reasons. Like she's the only building I think in the city that has windmills on the top. Like she was very into alternative energy sources. She was um, to the T the kind of person that I think a lot of folks aspire to be in young uh, in in young activist circles now. Marilyn's like one of the OGs. Yeah. So until a, a two co- years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago she was. I mean, she's. I think she's in her seventies. She was ready to retire. And she knew that she was sitting on a building that was sitting on very valuable land. And that building was very special, not just to her, but to the community. And she wanted to find somebody to purchase it because I know she got a lot of offers for much more than she sold it for because she was looking for someone that wanted to run the business as it was. Enter Danny Newman and his business partners. Um, these, this uh, group of folks own uh, My Brother's Bar, similar story, institution in Denver, Family wanted to, or yeah. owners wanted to pass it on. Danny came in. Danny's mom, I think, worked there for 30 years. And that place has been running pretty much as it was. Yeah. And so but Danny- this is his passion. He he, he loves really, to be the person who comes in and yes. helps keep the Denver tradition alive. That's where his heart is, I would say. And so he took on this really big project of buying a thing that an entity that people in Denver really care about. And um, it has also, hello, the pandemic, it's a restaurant, it's a venue. So he's up against all of those things. And then um, he's also trying to- To modernize. He's trying to bring in some credit card processing machines so people don't have to pay with cash. (laughs) So long time uh, uh, patrons of the Mercury Cafe will know that Marilyn did not take uh, credit cards because she didn't want to be in that system. She also didn't want to pay them. She didn't want to pay into the credit card system. Like this is how deep her ethics went. So uh, all that to say, Danny bought something that was more than a business. It was a thing that meant a lot to a lot of people. And I, I think when you do that, 
it's not just that you need to make a business successful or continue its success. You have to make good. A lot of people feel you have to make good on what it is. Like you have to do right by the community and what they want. And I think he's tried really hard. And I think in this moment, um, he's just facing something that I think a lot of business owners are facing, but he happens to also have the baggage of this place is an institution. You better not let it fail. Let's talk about what he's facing and a big part of that community that is the the Merck right now. And that's his employees. Yeah. I think there's 10 to 12 mm. of them. That's what I read. And they are organizing. Here's a quote from uh, the Denver Post from 26-year-old Anna McGee. She said, I realized I have rights and that I don't have to continue to burn myself out. A lot of people in Denver are in the early stages of this process and connecting, connecting with other unions and answering that question of whether this is worth the struggle. The answer is that it's worth it to know you're not helpless, that you have basic rights and deserve to discuss your pay. But it's created a lot of fear and misunderstanding, which we weren't prepared for. Joshua, what do, what do you think? I mean, it's interesting. I, the, the term rights um, is kind of like a, a charge term. I, I, I think when I think about this, I think about we all have the ability to sort of negotiate for ourselves. And that's the whole idea is that, that if, you, if you feel like you're not getting a fair shake at the Merck, maybe you go to someplace else where it's a better fit for you. And, and that's how we efficiently uh, allocate resources. They just do it naturally that we are all that the companies are negotiating and the labor is negotiating. Negotiating. I think what ends up happening sometimes, though, is that there isn't a real uh, symmetry of information between companies and between the labor force. And that uh, oftentimes what happens is that labor gets taken advantage of, which is one of the strongest arguments for why we should have um, collective bargaining agreements. Um, just the fact that we're stronger together, we're um, able to uh, be more uh, fight for, for workers' rights more democratically. Um, but what ends up happening is that increases the cost of labor oftentimes. And who's going to pay that increase in labor? Is it, is it going to be the consumer? Is it, is it going to be the company? Um, there's there's companies like, like Meow Wolf, where you know 70% of their staff have now joined into a, a union. They have strong cash flow. And, and while they might have uh, less profits in the short term, I think long term, keeping staff there longer time, creating a better product in, in the long term is going to benefit them overall. A place like Mercury hasn't been profitable since he's taken it over. Right. And so I'm really yeah. curious in terms of it's really this sort of tight, tight wire where it is an institution where you do want people, uh, you want it to succeed, but you also uh, you also you feel for the workers too because they, they want to be a part of the institution, obviously, but they also want to be able to pay be paid what they're worth and and also just be in a safe environment. It's it's not the the safest place in Denver right now. Um, well, well, let's talk about the location because this is a block away from the one place in the whole city where Mayor Mike Johnston decided that he needed to do a sweep of a homeless encampment. Mm. That's how big and how apparently rat infested that particular street corner was a couple of weeks ago. And this is a block away and this has become an issue in this organizing fight because I guess uh, Danny Newman has had to hire some off-duty uh, Denver police to protect these people, and one of their one of their main complaints that they want more support for is is just safety, safety late at night when they're leaving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I often go I go to the Mercury Cafe for the open mic. I also go Wide Right is uh, a comedy bar. It's uh, right next to where Mercury is, and it isn't safe. Um, uh, it's it's something where you 
it, it's you just don't feel safe when you walk around. And I can understand if you're working there every day that you would want to have the institution help you feel more safe and be more trained uh, to, to get that uh, sense of like if we're going to a place where you need to go to pay rent, like you want that to be an environment where you can feel safe. Yeah, for sure. I'm very, um, you are known as a champion of the working person. Sure. You have yeah. also talked <laughs> yeah. about, good. for yeah, sure, constantly, dope. consistently, without fail, I think to your credit. At the same time, you've talked about how special a place the Mercury Cafe is to yeah. you and how much you respect Danny Newman, what he does. How do you square those two It's things? a really complicated situation, Paul. I would say I feel for both sides here. I do want these folks to be able to get paid a living wage, and I want them to be able to feel safe in the work environment that they're in. And I also want Danny to be able to uh, provide that. And I wonder, Joshua, you brought this up. They haven't made money in two years. I genuinely see the struggle here. I don't know what the solution is. I understand that maybe it's a communication situation where this is where the workers felt they weren't being heard. And that's often when labor's labor union conversations start, I think, is like, we're not getting anywhere with the constant conversations we're trying to have with our management. So I don't know what the com- what the communication was. I've reached out to Danny. I haven't heard back from him. I assume he's a pretty busy dude. But um I, I genuinely feel for both sides here and I want them both to have the things that they need. Of course I want these workers to have safe, basic stuff, safety, pay, good pay, and a good job. I do. But I also don't know where that's going to come from if there isn't even money to like, I don't know. I mean, I was there for a wedding last weekend and I'm not sure if this was a choice of the wedding or not, but the food at the wedding was not from the Merck. They had a caterer huh. at the restaurant. And so I was like, ooh, that doesn't seem like a good sign to me. But I, I don't know the logistics. All I'm saying is like, mm, I wonder what how they could get here. How could they get to a point where they're on the same page? And to me, it sounds like starting with some better communication. I don't know what that looks like, but... Yeah, it's hard, Paul. I, I agree. I am. I am. It's a rock and a hard place for me as someone that supports both of these ideas. The um, oh, go on, Joshua. Well, yeah, just just to the credit to the workers. Right now, we have a tight labor market, like nationwide. And I think the jobs, uh, the unemployment uh, came out, and it's like three point five nationwide, and, and it's and lower here. It's lower in Denver. They 2A. could go somewhere else. And, and and just so people have a reference, people like to argue that five percent is a good number for. A, an efficient economy. So when you're lower than that, it means that labor does have the power um, in this. And so if these people leave the Merck, it's going to be hard for Danny to rehire people totally. and to retrain them. And that that all costs money. So like, what is ultimately the best decision? It, it might be paying paying the workers more now. And, and I, I think there's another thing in terms of the long-term solution is that if Denverites care about these type of cultural institutions, support them. Yeah. Like go out, yeah. you know. Go, uh, with, go get a drink there. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of places to get coffee. There's a lot of places. To, they, they do good art there still. I I did the Denver Fringe there. I've done the mics there. There's there's real poetry. There's real art, real music being played there. Like, like this is a, a place that you should be going to um, if you care about the culture of Denver. Hmm. I, I wonder about that, that caring, that feeling, that like passion 
of element of this because I think for young people, I don't know, Brie, when you were talking about the young people, I really related to that. And I remembered I've worked for a business that was, it was not in the same situation. It wasn't like an iconic old business, but it was a young business. It wasn't making money. And I felt like I wasn't being paid what I was worth. And the thing that helped bridge that gap was the communication that you're talking about. My boss was just like totally transparent. And it wasn't like she was asking me to give, to be so passionate about it. She was just saying, this is what the business is. This is what we're trying to do. You know, this is about the future, what we're trying to make. And hopefully there'll be some benefit there. I really think that's the crux of this issue here. It sounds like is the lack of communication between management and employees. Because I too, also, Paul, I've worked for a small, two of my favorite jobs I've in the city were family owned companies that were complete, same thing, completely transparent about why our pay was the way that was the trade-offs that we got if we didn't get paid as much. These are the other things that they could offer us. So I, I hear you. I think that's the crux of the issue. I think the struggle that I have is I see Danny's side where like, he's like, man, I really tried. He and his business partners, I should say, he's the face of a group of people. He's like, man, I really tried to do something right. And maybe I'm just not doing it right. So maybe he could turn around and sell that building tomorrow for four times what he bought it for. Like he's no idiot. We know the real estate around there is changing every day. He's not doing that. But at the same time, if he did do that, it would not be the fault of the workers that that place failed. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that's where I want to make sure the conversation is very clear. This is the, the success of that place is not dependent. It's partially dependent on the workers and, you know, customer service. Sure. But like they can't make people come in to the restaurant. They can't make the area around it safer. These are working hourly, maybe hourly wage. I mean, we know how it is with tips and this whole conversation around the service industry is there's so much unevenness around what people are getting paid. So it's just not on the workers to make it successful. Um, but it's kind of a everybody situation. Yeah, it so has to work for everyone. It, it has does. to work for the consumer. Yeah. They have to ex- be exposed to that art that they enjoy and appreciate. It's so crucial. It has to work for the employees because otherwise they'll get a different job somewhere else. It has to work for Danny. Otherwise mm-hmm. they'll sell. Yeah. That's think, why a successful business is so impressive. Like when all that comes right? together, it's like actually kind of shocking. And oddly enough, uh, America does it better than anybody else. Uh, I think we have a really good ability to allow people to declare bankruptcy and so that they can try out new ideas. The The problem is, is that when something's been successful and has cultural history like the Merck, it's really hard because sometimes uh, just the, the life cycle of a business, sometimes they, you know, die and it just is what it is. I mean, we've seen yeah, that happen in Denver. That's the other thing. Is like, the reality of the fact that sometimes things we love just don't have to exist forever. Right. Yeah. Which is a brutal thought. I believe me, 100%. I was in I was in the Mercury that last weekend. I have had transformational experiences in that place. I cannot even put words to. I mean, I'm going to sound like my witchy self, but it's a portal. That place is a portal. Like people come in and out of there and important stuff happens in and out of there and it's very connected to um just like the root, the thing that roots Denver to this place is a place like the Mercury Cafe. So I don't want that to go away. But I also understand sometimes there's an end of a cycle. All right. Well, there's obviously plenty more uh, to talk about there, but um, that'll have to be for a different episode in the future. Right now, we're going to take a quick break and come back with wins and fails. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board, because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. 
I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, house plants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. All right, we're back. We're going to do a round of uh, the segment we're now calling Mile High Highs and Lows, a.k.a. Wins and Fails of the Week. So we've each picked a local story that we thought was a win and we thought it was a fail, and we're going to talk about them. Why do you call it Mile High Highs and Lows? Brie, that was I your came up invention. with that last you, week. Yeah. Really? So here we are, mile high lows. Who wants to do the first low? I got one. Denver Gazette, they uh, just put out an article, uh, one in six uh, Colorado judges have not been in compliance with submitting their financial disclosures. Um, horrifying. One in six? One in six. Isn't hmm. that so high? What and is that- the implication of that? Well, it's illegal. They're out of compliance. And so you can put in a complaint. Um, uh, But the article, they go over the responses. Uh, Some of them are like, there's no excuse. Um, You know, some of them are like, I'm boring. And and so there's just this big variation between the different judges. They need to be doing this. There's obvious reasons why we need financial disclosures. Tell me. (laughs) Yeah, there's that the game theory, uh, we, we need to know who's influenced these judges if they're getting huge donations from certain people um that's could potentially influence their decisions on trials that's dangerous for the entire uh state of colorado and so to, in order for them to be held accountable we have to have the the truest information about who's donating to their campaigns which is why we need these financial disclosures so on a national level folks have been watching this play out with clarence thomas yeah. right so it's just Same like thing. the local yeah. level version of this exactly okay. and it's not great one in six totally. is too high yeah so i'll say geez okay that's a mile high low Bree, you want to go next? Uh, mine is really sad. Okay. For, and it's going to start out sounding like it might be funny. And it is not funny at all. So um, I live by Danny Dance and I love their marquees. Like I love them. Whoever writes them, they're funny. They're usually contextual to whatever's going on on the block. They will be responding. They're quippy. They're jokes. And so I just assume they're always funny. And I drove by the other day and it just said Jason. And it was like a couple days of this. And I was like, okay. 
So I asked my Instagram, I'm like, okay, who's Jason? Ha ha, what's the joke? And my friend Gary Rednest reached out to me, who's a door guy around town, and was like, Jason was the DJ at Dandy Dan's, who also helped them sometimes with security at the door. And he escorted someone out the other night who was not, I don't know what happened exactly. It had nothing to do with this gentleman. He was just doing his job. And they shot and killed him in the parking lot. And... um his name was Jason Perry. He moved here from San Diego. He came here like so many people come here with big dreams for Colorado. He was a DJ. He was doing really good. He was making money on what he loved, which was playing music for people. He, he I mean, he played at Dandy Dan's. He also played at weddings. He played at parties. He was a very popular, wonderful, sweet guy. And um, I just was like, it just... It just brought me back to this conversation we've had so many times about gun violence here and everywhere, which is we focus on the mass shootings, which are horrendous. But every day we lose people for no reason whatsoever, completely preventable, no reason whatsoever, wrong place, wrong time situation. And it just um, it just reminded me that my neighborhood suffers from this a lot more than a lot of other neighborhoods do. And I know that my council person is really aware of it and, and cares about it. But it just it just made me sad that this happened to a person who was just at work, just living his life. Yeah. Pour some champagne out for, uh, for, for Jason. Jason. Yeah. Jason Perry. Jason Perry. I just wanted to, I just wanted to say his name too, because I just, I think of, I read this. So he, again, he was from San Diego. And when I Googled, like trying to find more information about him after Gary told me who he was, I found this interview with his dad because the San Diego media was writing about it. And his dad was just like, just like, just a wonderful person. And as a parent, again, I can't imagine losing my kid before me. And so I just want to give some love to Jason Perry's friends and family here in Denver and to his his family in San Diego. And just a reminder that gun violence impacts us every day in ways that ruins lives and just ruins communities. So stupid, random violence, stupid, random violence for no reason other than this guy was at work doing his job. So, Paul, what do you have? (sighs) Take a second to be angry about that. I know. I'm sorry. I know. And I false. Do we not? I feel helpless at this point, too. It's like also here's a really grim part of that situation. Dandy Dan's installed these giant lights in their parking lot to deter people from doing stuff in the parking lot. Those lights are not going to save somebody from getting murdered. Like, yeah. so what else in, are they supposed to do? Yeah, and and is it yeah? Like, what are they supposed to do? They're just however you feel about sex work. I don't care. It's a small business in Denver. That guy went to work to do his job, hang out with his coworkers, and it was a two. Also, guys, it was a Tuesday night. It was like I cannot imagine this yeah. man just going to his job, doing his job, and then this is what happens. So, stuff sad. Um. Well, if anyone's having any kind of like um, reaction or like feeling about the location of this stupid random violence, I would just encourage you to go back and listen to our episode with uh, Megan Ulani Boynt and the Denver Post about strip clubs yeah. from I think two weeks ago now. We talked about the stigma around yeah. that, around that whole world, that industry. Um, that, was, that was a really interesting episode. We have an update coming on that soon, Ooh. which people should stay tuned for. Yes. No. Honestly, fascinating. Fascinating can't oh, yeah, stuff. Can't wait to share it. Um, Okay, well, you two brought some good fails, but sorry, mine is the best. Okay. Um, okay. I found this this morning. It's not really even a fail. It's like something I needed an excuse to talk about because I found <laughs> someone posted on Reddit in response to uh, the article that um, 
Westward said that Elitch Gardens has been scoping out Aurora oh, yeah. for yeah. locations. So I saw this, po- someone posted, hey, remember when Aurora almost had a giant, the biggest amusement park in the world called Science Fiction Land? Apparently in 1979, some Hollywood movie producer um, had this uh, giant idea for a movie adaptation of this obscure sci-fi novel, Lord of Light by Roger Zelazny. Um, and anyway- We are he, in Paul's, yeah, we are I, deep in Paul's world right now. I was about now. to say, what? <laughs> <laughs> to, even to me, a huge fan. This is an obscure novel I have not read. But he wanted to build an amusement park that had like more than 2,000 hotel rooms, a 38-story Ferris wheel, a 30-story structure that would contain a thousand-lane bowling alley with robot workers, streams huh. where guests could fish for trout, park employees on jetpacks. That's sick. That's this That's guy's place. I, was, I kind so of love awesome. everything about this. Yes. Boat rides that could turn into submarines, laser hollow. This is like detailed. Wow. It was going to be huge. I also just love when an obscure piece of art inspires someone so much that they want to like oh build a world God. around yeah. it. Well, I think cocaine Respect. also might have inspired hey, this cocaine, one. But cocaine yeah. and the cocaine novel. has fueled a lot of the things that we've loved at this table. Let's Co- be honest. As a comedian and a musician and a person that reads books, let's talk about it. I'm, I'm movies, a good Christian boy. All right. Oh, yes. I, never, oh, never yes. heard of it. Never heard of it. I don't know her. Um, so what happened? Well, what happened is it just didn't work out because the whole thing was premised on a movie adaptation of the book. Uh-huh. And then the movie adaptation, like it didn't work out. And then the script, like it ended up getting used for, um, this is such a stupid tangent, but it's also weird. But the script ended up being used for that CIA plot that Ben Affleck made that movie about the Iran Contra oh, plot, uh, the, the movie they Argo? were going to fake produce or, in Iran as a front. Oh, really? Yeah. Over, I think Argo is the is name it of it. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. He won the Oscar for best director for that movie. So there you go. We didn't get science fiction land, but we got Ben Affleck's directing Oscar. I don't know. <laughs> so this is 79. <laughs> it's just weird. Where does this fall in the Star Wars of it all? Uh, that would be two years after Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. yeah so yes. why wouldn't it have yes. gotten made? It feels like Holly, after Hollywood figured out Star Wars is this massive thing, wouldn't you think that people were like, oh, let's capitalize science you, fiction. Have, let's have you do ever it. watched mm-hmm. the Star Wars Christmas special? All right. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> Seems like it, it might have been a little bit closer to that. Yeah. A little bit further from. Uh, oh, uh, okay. So the fail is we didn't get science fiction land. Yes. The fail uh, is we didn't get science fiction fair. land. That's fair. my mile high low. Oh, God, all right. I'm bummed for, as an amusement park enthusiast. I am sad we didn't get that either. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll post a link to the article so everyone can read it. Just so fun. Maybe a so Denver's fun. next boom since we're coming off of one. Maybe, in, you know, in 40 or 50 years, we'll finally get it. Yeah. Well, didn't the article say like, it was like pure speculation that was going to be an Aurora at all. Like you just like said that. It's like, hey, what if we put it here? I was yeah. like, I love that. I love that he's just creating buzz out of nothing. Totally. You know what I mean? That's he's like my cousin Larry lives in Aurora. He yeah. says it's great. <laughs> yeah, there's exactly. nothing there. Let's do it. I, land's, someone... land's cheap. Can you imagine land in Aurora in 1979? It probably costs no dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean hashtag uh, uh, Elitch's East. I guess Would that, is that what it is? Let's start it right now. Okay, let's Elitch's make this a 3.0. city. Yeah, <laughs> new, new, new Elitch's. New, new, new. Oh gosh. Um, all right, happen. let's move on to our wins. Okay. Who wants to go for a mile high high? Who wants mile, to, who's got a mile, mile high high? Uh, I got one for the Denver Zoo. We do some uh, field conservation out on the Navajo Nation with bighorn sheep. Um, they have like this disease um, and it's killing like whole flocks. And so um, big deal, uh, important work. But we've been able to f- uh, identify a, a Navajo biologist, uh, uh, Jamie uh, Begay. Um, and we just officially are able to 
provide her a scholarship for her master's program up at CSU. So she's coming down to the zoo every now and again. She's she's going there this semester to to graduate, but she's doing real field work on the Navajo Nation. Um, you know, with in conjunction with the Denver Zoo, getting professional mentorship out on the Navajo Nation, being able to find it's so hard to find like Navajo biologists, indigenous biologists in general, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, because animals and indigenous people they have strong connection, and so it's just so cool to see uh, somebody able to um, be able to do that, to work in these colonized institutions, um, have them work for them, and be able to get the respect in both worlds, I guess. It, it's it's so rare to find that. And uh, yeah, uh, good luck to Jamie. I, I hope you work for 30 years and, and you have a huge impact on the people that you know I love. I was just going to say, and I think about all the young people that are watching her yeah. and learning that this is something I can do. Yeah, exactly. Very That's cool. Incredible. That's a great one. Also, right. again, we just love the Denver Zoo. That's like, all. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's yeah. kind of <laughs> awesome, the stuff that they do that's community connected. So Yeah, come say hi to me. Yeah, I'll be oh, out yeah. there. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be yelling. I'll be yelling. lights yeah. at the Denver Zoo. That's right. I'm an elephant, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the Toyota Elephant area. What's it called? Uh, yeah, Toyota Elephant Passage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that I have to say Toyota every time. <laughs> But, you know, uh, but it's a cool part of the zoo. Oh, and I have to say, and Groucho is so funny. Uh, so he's like the well, I, I'm just going on the tangent on the zoo right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're one of the only North American zoos that can handle multiple uh, bull elephants because uh, they do this thing called muss where they get super aggressive. Their testosterone shoots up and they fight each other and fight everybody around them. And so that's why we had huh. to get this huge. It's like 10 acres and they can change how they walk walk and stuff like that but the, we're the only place that can solve this problem of like you can only have one bull elephant usually but in nature they form these bachelor herds and they we have a bachelor a, herd we have a bachelor herd headed up by groucho he's the one with the weird ear it's yes. 51 years old so he's the homie man he's grumpy and he's the uh, the adult and i love him so much yeah. see now you know next time you go to the zoo you're watching a bachelor pad in action that's right <laughs> i love it I love it. Paul, what about you? Uh, okay. Well, my mile high high is for uh, impact journalism. Our past guest, uh, Jesse Paul, who's a reporter for the Colorado Sun, he delivered a really, really important and impactful story this week about HOAs, these petty yes. tyrants who our legislators and our state government have been going after for years, but apparently they keep finding ways to screw people over. This person that uh, Jesse told us about, Darren Biggis, is a perfect example. He um, he bought a $267,000 home in Aurora a few years ago. He remodeled. He invested in this place. But then because his credit card was stolen, he inadvertently stopped paying HOA dues, and the HOA foreclosed on his house. This, he was paying his mortgage. This was mind-blowing to me that they have the power to do yeah. that. I mean, I'm glad legislators are, are addressing this now, but, like, I, I mean... Uh, Losing your home is traumatic. Losing your home to this thing that's supposed to be a, a benefit to you, yeah, right? I mean, that's the sale. You. That's what people sell you on with an HOA is like you pay into this thing, but they take care of all this stuff. But they also could take your house. Ugh, yucky. Yucky all around. I yeah, I cannot stand HOAs. They I don't think they provide real benefit uh, to homeowners. I feel like the the harm they do has been shown over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, I can't stand them. I feel like it attracts the worst type of people to them as well. well Petty tyrants. Yeah, that's Petty the other tyrants. thing. Is like so. I'm thinking about 
my poor mother. Hi, Brooke. I'm talking about you again. Um, <laughs> she lives in a condo and her age, she's, she's actually just finishing her tenure on her HOA board. But the thing is the HOA board is in charge of important stuff in like a building. It's like the roof being replaced or the HVAC system. Or remember what happened in Florida when that building collapsed on itself? Mm. Because the people that were on the HOA were deferring maintenance and deferring maintenance and deferring maintenance. So HOAs, in theory, could be a good democratic body, but it's like who is on it. Right. And how they use that power is not good. So I just want to say sometimes there's good people on HOAs, but generally speaking, it feels like they are maybe neglecting things that should be important and then also doing terrible things like taking someone's home. Yeah. Taking unbelievable home. Weird. Unbelievable. Anyway, so we'll post a link to that story in the show notes so you can read it. But the impact part, this is why it's a win. Governor Jared Polis and a group of Democrat state lawmakers, they apparently read the piece. They say they're working on it. They're working on some changes. Close some loopholes. Figure this out. Next I'm glad session. I, <laughs> Governor Polis has been on my SH list. Oh, really? This week. I mean, he's trying to launch his like campaign, right? Isn't that mm. the, the idea well, of... Is. Failing in certain ways, but I, I'm glad he's taking this on. And I agree with you, Paul. I think Jesse does great, really great reporting. And um, if we didn't have local journalism, we wouldn't have stories like this to help people figure out why their house got taken away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. where in journalism is so impactful. So thank you, Jesse, Paul. Great story. Great story. Uh, all right, Brie. Uh, yeah, so the Oriental Theater on the north side is finally getting north their side. yeah their neon sign replaced. Uh, Maurice Neon, friend of the show, Todd. Uh, shout they, out to Todd. Shout out to Todd. They're working on it. Um, and I've seen. I'll share some. I can think I can share some links in our show notes to it. They just did the. They just repaint. They took the the remaining like glass pieces off and just have painted the sign so far, and it looks amazing because we've never seen i've never seen it not like kind of falling apart so they're <laughs> repainting the sign and they're rebuilding the neon and neon is such a it's such a intense art form that takes e extreme skill and it's very fragile and it it like in our in our atmosphere or in our in the ambiance of a city neon is pretty incredible oh yeah and so the fact that we're gonna have this brand new piece of neon on the north side just like i can't wait to see it i feel the exact same way that's already a beautiful sign and it sounds like it's going to be even more special joshua you just moved to the north side is that is the oriental right. a place for you uh yeah no i love the oriental luce libre laughs is one of the most fun shows i've ever been a part of if you don't know what it is it's pro wrestling and comedy um super fun and then dyktopia is having their second year anniversary I, I think coming up pretty soon. So yeah, check that out. Yeah. Dictopia is this fantastic podcast. Uh, fantastic podcast and, and show. show. Yeah. Kate McLaughlin. And uh, <laughs> she's not going to be happy I said it that way. <laughs> I, know, I, was like, I feel like that's a you're giving an inside joke to your comedian. Yeah, friend. so me, so me and Kate McLaughlin, uh, we went to college together at Fort oh, cool. Lewis. Yeah, so we both started comedy together in Durango. So I uh, known them for a long time. And then Lee Robinson, and it's take it started off in a backyard, and it's taken a hold. They sold out the Oriental last time. They're going to sell it out this time, and which so, is incredible. It's amazing. That's a big room, and this is something too that I think is so crucial for folks to know is the Oriental Theater is one of the only rooms of that size 
run by an independent group of people. It is right. not run by AEG. It is not run by Live Nation. So something like Dyktopia has the opportunity to even rent the stage there and sell it out. Like It's beautiful. The Oriental really helps artists in this community build fo- followings and foundations by being a place that you can book. And so shout out to the folks at the Oriental. I We did Mortified there, which was, I think, was sold out too. It was yeah. so much fun. I love that place. So did, did you read from your journal? Oh, I did. Oh man. You again, I this is the nineties. You really missed Oh no, yeah. Some good a, stuff. a lot of troll doll stuff. You know? yeah. <laughs> Mine was more about being in love with Kurt Cobain and then being really sad. Oh no, you yeah. went through that? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. I wore I wore black, all black every year on his death anniversary to high school. Oh man. Pretty serious. When but did it, you stop doing that? I think probably oh. like junior year. I think I okay. went like Bring two it years. back. Bring yeah, it back on it. Yeah. I was an intense Nirvana fan. Um, but again, the Oriental Theater, I just endless love to them. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Again, you you know this too. It has a marquee on it. If you get uh-huh. to see your name on a marquee like the Orientals, it's like, it's I've made deal. it. I, I have mean, arrived. So There's not many better in the city than yeah. that sign and that marquee. That's just beautiful. So shout out to the Oriental. Shout out to Maurice Neon for doing that work and making that place look beautiful. All right. Well, here we are at the end of the show. I think uh, time for just a couple more things. Um, Joshua, I'd love to give you some space, plug some upcoming shows or anything else you might want people to to see or hear. Or... Yeah, absolutely. I do this show called Colorado Native. It's a Native American comedy showcase. We're partnering with the Museum of Contemporary Art uh, August uh, 24th at the Holiday Theater, another beautiful theater um, by North High School. Um, we'd love to have you out, please. I I am scared of the amount of tickets I need to sell, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> That's a cool it's, it's a cool, it's, big, cool. It's a big space. Yeah. Big space, yeah. And then we're doing it up at uh, Fort Collins uh, the day before um, at the Comedy Four, and then we're doing it at the Dairy. Um, yeah, it'd be my last show at the Dairy, so that'll be in nice Boulder. Image. In Boulder, that's okay. right. Yeah. So, and then yeah, please come out. I'd love to see you. Uh, I'm very nice in person. If you ever meet me in person, I uh, <laughs> I smell good. I and the charisma that you hear on, on air, it, it's it comes. Yeah, it's fragrant. Yeah, it's yeah. fragrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I'd love to see all you out there. I appreciate you. We'll put links to all those we in will. the show notes. That we sounds will. Sounds great. Um, all right. Well, so no weekend events this week because, as I mentioned last week, we are changing some things up on the show. Uh, stay tuned to next week if you've been hankering for more wrecks. Uh, but we didn't want to leave you high and dry. So to end the show this week, we're going to share a voicemail we got this uh, a couple days ago from a listener. Um, but before we hear that, Joshua, Bree, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Paul. It's been my pleasure. Hi, this is Diana Romero Campbell. I'm the new city councilwoman in District 4 in Southeast Denver. And I wanted to say and invite you to a maybe we'll see you there on the weekend for the South by Southeast Festival at Bible Park. It's this Saturday, August 19th, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. There's going to be food trucks and activities and live music um, and a beer garden and just lots of fun. And since you all have Southeast Denver hearts, I wanted to invite you to come out to the South by Southeast Festival. Hope to see you there. Bye.
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Olivia Jewell Love. Peyton Garcia, Natalia Aldana, and Adrian Gonzalez write our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at CityCast Denver, and tell Rogers Elasny's family about us next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Such a nerdy name. We could have had an amusement park dedicated to this extremely obscure sci-fi writer.